when it's just you and God in prayer. You don't have to worry about all of these external things. You can just focus on God and God alone. Intimacy with God. Welcome to Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. And at the start of this message, I want to thank Brother Wayne. On Thursday, he encouraged me about my prayers that I do publicly, and he talked about how it was different prayer every time. So I thank him for that encouragement. And actually it prompted my spirit as he walked off. And God put in my spirit that he wanted me to talk about prayer actually today. And even though I pray publicly every Sunday, I believe that God is more pleased with my private prayers than my public prayers. You can achieve a different level of intimacy with God when it's just you and him alone. You don't have to worry about whether people are liking what you're saying. You can cry and not have to worry about whether people consider you macho or not. You can lie out prostate before the Lord and don't have to worry about people thinking that you're crazy. You don't have to worry about judgment. You can just be you and God. And I preach today from the subject of intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. There was a young boy that called his local church on the corner and He got the pastor and he said, Pastor, this is Johnny down the street and my mother has come down with a really bad case of the flu and she really needs prayer. Can you come over and pray for my mother because she's really struggling with this thing. And The pastor thought about it a second and he knew exactly who Johnny was and he said, Johnny, um, I know your family and I know you all attend the church on the other road over there. Um, Just out of curiosity, why didn't you ask Pastor Simon to come pray for your mother? And Johnny said, Pastor, to tell you the truth, uh, we thought about that, but we didn't want to risk him catching whatever this is got my mother (laughs) done. And the moral of that story is, When it's just you and God in prayer, you don't have to worry about all these external things. You can just focus on God and God alone. And I want to speak today from my heart and just share five things that I try to pray every day in my personal relationship with God that I tell God from my heart. And even though it's the same five categories, I try not to get into routine or tradition. These five things, they help keep my life and my spirit in check. And I feel like that if I continue to do these five things and pray them every day, that no matter what level that God takes me to, they will keep me. And they serve as a daily self-analysis and a self-monitoring system. If you keep yourself in check, then God won't have to. And I would rather keep myself in check than God having to correct me. So it's something that I try to do every day, and I pray that this message will cause you to introspect within your own heart. 
and it will enrich your own daily prayer life with increased intimacy with the Father. And even though I'll give scriptures to back up and to reference each point that I talk about, this really didn't come from my personal time in the Word of God. It really came from my intimate moments with God. When I would pray and I would feel a a closeness to another level or a breakthrough or a pleasing of God, then I would take note of that and try to remember and continue to do those things that caused that intimacy. And this combination is what has come out of those years of prayer. And the power of the prayers is not in the words or the categories, but it's in the sincerity of the heart. So be careful as I deliver this message, not to get caught up into the routine of it and saying things exactly, because the state of heart is really what matters the most and has the most power. And it's like a husband that leaves the house every day. And if he tells his wife every morning, I love you, and he walks out the next morning, I love you, walks out the next morning, I love you. He can get caught up in the routine of it, but it's a difference. You can say the same words and the same man can be leaving and he can embrace his wife. And then as he gets through, he can grab her face and kiss her in the mouth and say, I love you. Even though those are the same words, it's a different heart. It's a different passion there. So keep that in mind throughout this message that it's the heart, it's the intent. Be careful of getting caught up in the routine of it, even though it's the same words. So I'm going to talk about five states of heart that I found myself in and try to repeat on a daily basis. And I'm going to give you one word to just make it easy to remember that embodies each state of heart. Then I'm going to give you three or four words that embodies the summary of the prayer for that state of heart. So I'll run through them right quick, and then we'll drill down into each one in more detail. The first state of heart is that of appreciation, and the prayer summary for that is, I thank you. The second state of heart is that of worship. The prayer summary for that is, I praise you. The third state of heart is love. The prayer summary is, I love you. The fourth state of heart is obedience. The prayer summary is, I submit to you. The fifth state of heart is faith. The prayer summary for that is, I trust you. I thank you, I praise you, I love you, I submit to you, and I trust you. So the first area of appreciation, I thank you. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. David was a true friend of God. Listen to how he approached God. In Psalms 100, verse 3, it says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. The king who knew God most intimately instructs us here on how to approach God. We are to approach him first with thanksgiving and with praise. Before I ask God for anything each day, I try to thank him for everything. One of the benefits of daily giving thanks to God for all that he's done in your life is it'll help keep your pride under control. And you begin to thank him for the things that he's doing in your life and through you. It helps you from getting focused on what you're doing. And you'll realize that God is doing this in your life. And it takes the focus off of you and places it upon God and what he's done. The second category of state of heart and daily prayer is that of worship. Again, the prayer summary is I praise you. Revelations 4 
verses 8 through 11 reads, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And if you notice, even in heaven, out of all the beings in heaven, the ones that are closest to God, closest right before his throne, are the ones who are worshiping him the most. Day and night without ceasing, crying out, holy, holy, holy. These four living creatures are worshiping him nonstop. They're the closest one to him. The same way it parallels in the earth. Worship draws you close to the king. He's the king of kings and it gives you access to his presence. I tell God in worship who he is. And even though he has no identity crisis and he knows who he is, he still likes to hear it. Many times you all do a good job, even though you've known you've done a good job, you still like to hear somebody tell you what a good job and good husband, good father, good wife you are. God is no different. He likes to hear it. And even sometimes I'll run out of English words and I'll have to pray in the spirit in this portion because I don't even have the words in English to describe his excellence, his awesomeness, his greatness. I'll have to just pray in the spirit to pray out of my spirit, man. The third category of prayer that increases your intimacy with God is that of love. The prayer summary is, I love you. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40 says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. First John 4 and 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. We're made in the likeness and the image of God. He desires intimacy with us, just like husbands desire intimacy with their wives. And I told my wife one day, I said, just to be clear, that we want to have clear communication, that I don't want it to be any thinking on your end that's different than thinking on my end. I said, I want to just set out my priorities out loud so to clear the air. And I told her, even if the bed is not made, even if clothes on the floor, even if you don't have time to cook and have to stop and get some on the way home, I said, I need intimacy from you. I said, so don't let any of the household tasks come before intimacy. So I just want to make it clear. I don't want to assume that you know that. (laughs) I want to tell you. (laughs) And that's the same way God feels about us. Sometimes we get so busy doing things, running here and there and doing things to and fro, just like Martha and Mary in the Bible, where he said, don't bother Mary. She's concerned about that which is most important. She's sitting at my feet, loving on me. And Martha was busy getting the house ready. Even pastors many times will have issues with it. They'll be busy seeing about the issues of the church. But God will call them and say, don't forget about the reason the church exists. You've got to spend your time with me. You've got to love on me. I understand you've got to see about this and that in the church. But none of it supersedes the love of God. 
And pastor talked about how a lot of marriages would be fixed if spouses just spent the same amount of quality time with each other as they spent on Facebook. Well, God is the same way. Imagine how God feels who created us, who gave his only begotten son, who's loved you from the very foundations of the earth, who knew you before you entered your mother's womb and called out your purpose. Imagine when we'll go on Facebook with false friends and spend more time than we will seeking the face of the living God. The friend who sticks closer than a brother. It breaks God's heart that his own children would seek others' faces more than his own. And Facebook has over one and a half billion people that actively go on it every month. But God, the creator of all the universe, is hard-pressed to just find a fraction of that, of those that will spend time seeking his face daily. How do we show love unto God? Not only with your words, but with your time, your energy, and your finances. Jesus asked his disciples, do you love me? When they said yes, he said, well, feed my sheep. Feeding his sheep requires the input of time, of energy, and of resources. Love is the most powerful force in the universe because God is love. The love God has for us is like that of children where it never fades never fails and our love for him should never fade or never fail when people fall in love with each other over time a lot of times it'll diminish as time goes on from that initial fresh love but when you think about parents and how a mother's love is for a child they said that the honeymoon period in a marriage is only about two years but a child can be five years old can be 10 years old and you can get home every day seeing that same child and there be a, a fresh love there that you embrace them with you see them every day but yet you want to tuck them in every night and kiss them no matter how old they get i'm 42 years old and my mother still call me her baby <laughs> So a parent's love is something that never fades. Even a lot of times when adults, mother and father, battle it out and they may be getting a divorce. But even though they have issues with each other, they both will love and will fight over many times that child. So that parent's love is a deep love that doesn't fade. He's our heavenly father and that's how he loves us. And he wants it to be reciprocated the same with that love for him. There's nothing that makes a parent's heart squeeze more than that child loving them back in that same manner. I remember when I was promoted to a new position at work and I knew it was going to require me to travel more and I wasn't really used to leaving my family that much and I prepared my bag and got ready to walk out of the door and my youngest child, Jade, she was about six or seven at the time, she looked up at me and saw me about to leave and she said, Daddy, I miss you already. <laughs> and there was no amount of bonus on the job that could make up for that. That was no deal I could close that caused the level of satisfaction of that child just saying that with her big eyes looking at me. And I knew she meant it from the bottom of her heart. And that's how we should look at our Heavenly Father. We ought to get to the end of our prayer and say, Lord, I hate I got to go now. I miss you already to the next time. We ought to just pour out our heart as a little child before him. The fourth area of prayer that will increase your intimacy with him is that of obedience. The summary for that is I submit to you. When all is said and done in life and we stand before that great judgment throne, it's not going to matter how much money you made. Not going to matter what kind of house you had and what neighborhood you stayed in. Not going to matter your title on your job, what kind of car you drove. Not even going to matter how much scripture you knew up here. What's going to matter is two things, your faith in the Lord Jesus, his son, 
and whether you did what he told you to do. God blessed Solomon with more wisdom than any other human. And the very last two verses of his book of Ecclesiastes says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good and whether it be evil. Let me repeat that again. The Bible states that this is the wisest man that has ever lived had the gift of wisdom, not just ordinary wisdom. This man tells you at the end of life, his very highest wisdom he could give you that he wants to leave with you is to fear God and to do what he tells you to do. No man wiser leaving you these two things as his greatest wisdom. Bishop Dale says God won't make you do right, but he'll sure make you wish you had done right. (laughs) And even though King David, he was considered by scholars as the greatest king of the Bible. And even though he was a great warrior and a great musician, that's not what made him great in the eyes of God. Acts 13.22 says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Ask yourself right now, can God give that testimony about you? God testified about David himself and said, I found a man after my own heart because he will do what I ask him to do. Can God give that testimony about you, his child? God was searching for a person who, when given power, wouldn't forget about him and go his own way and abuse that power and get caught up in the riches and the power of it and the glory of it, but who would surrender himself unto the will of God. Say, Lord, what will you have me to do? And we ought to surrender in his presence. Wait there. And then listen for his voice and his instructions. People seek all types of positions in life. People wonder how we get along so well in ministers as brothers of the word. And even with my brother Bishop Dale and in business with five brothers working together. One of the reasons that we get along so well is nobody is trying to get anybody else's position. And even though I serve right under pastor and even though I serve right under two company presidents, I'm not secretly wishing to be the pastor of the church or secretly wishing to be the president of the company. In fact, I've been offered a pastorship of a church that has hundreds of members, and I turned it down because I realized that there's no greater position in this world than the position of being in submission to God. It's the highest position that you can hold. Just imagine how God could use his people if they weren't worrying about earthly positions how much money they would make doing it. Who would get the credit for it? Imagine if we truly submitted our wills, our time, our talents, our finances to God. People ask us, you know, why we had so many children. And the true answer to that is when we first got married, we had a conversation about children and we asked each other how many children we wanted. And we both came to a mutual agreement that we wanted three or four children. But after each birth, we prayed and asked God, is it your will for us to keep going or to stop? We didn't get a release until the seventh child. (laughs) I sometimes joke with people and say, well, we got the seventh, we just stopped asking. But But in truth, he did give us a release on that seventh one. Not only did we pray about the number, but we even prayed about the names. And that's the only reason I don't have a James Jr. Because I said, Lord, what do you want us to name this gift from you? And he led us on each name. 
and trusting God enough to have seven kids has been one of the biggest trials of our faith, of our life. But it's also been one of our biggest blessings. And you heard one of them singing up here this morning. And we should inspect our level of obedience every single day. Obedience is twofold. The first is doing what he tells you to do. And the second is not doing what he's told you not to do. (laughs) And both of these are required to stay in the will of God. And you also have to abide by both the Bible, which is the logos, and then his inner leading, which is the rhema word. And they both have to be obeyed to stay in that will of God. And during this hard state of obedience, it's also a time for repentance. So anything that you've done outside of the will of God. But I tell you this, the more time that you spend focusing on submitting yourself to his will and focusing on obedience, the less time you'll have to spend on repentance. And in essence, all repentance is due to the lack of obedience, either to his written or spoken word. That's why I say obedience is better than sacrifice. That fifth area of heart, state, and intimacy with God is that of faith. Summary prayer for that is, I trust you. Hebrews 11:6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And this tells us, We first must believe that God is real and he rewards them that diligently seek him. We've got to believe that God will do what he said he will do. And we've got to trust that whatever he tells us to do is in our best interest. If you think about it truly, things that are in your best interest, you really most of the times don't have a problem doing. If you truly believe it in your heart, this is in my best interest to do this. So with that fact, if you don't do something that God has told you to do, then you're really doubting God's words in your life when you think about it. That's why trust and obedience go hand in hand. And that's why faith without works is dead. Even our money has written on it. In God, we trust as a model for this nation. The country shouldn't have more trust in God than you, his child, has in him. And we've replaced a lot of time that trust we're supposed to have in God, that that very money tells you right on it with money itself instead of trusting that which it tells you to trust. So in closing, I recap those five states of heart and five prayer summaries. That of appreciation, the prayer of I thank you. That of worship, the prayer of I praise you. That of love, the prayer of I love you. And that of obedience, the prayer of I submit to you. And finally, that state of faith, the prayer of I trust you. And I pray today that these five areas are incorporated into your daily personal prayer lives, that you grow in intimacy with God. Don't get too busy with work, with children, with spouses, with social media, with television, than you do with the one who has loved you above all others, who love you more than you love yourself, who when nobody else has your back, he's right there with you. When you can't count on nobody else, that you can count on him, who's never lied to you, who you can depend on through all time. Spend time with him. Love him with all of your heart. Draw close to him, not to him. There's none like unto him. And two other parts of prayer that I didn't really cover in this message today that are very important and powerful prayers are that of intercession and that of spiritual warfare. These are necessary parts of prayer, but I didn't include them with the other five because I was really preaching about intimacy with God. And even though there's power in those, I don't feel the same level of intimacy with those prayers. Intercession, first of all, I try to intercede based upon who God places on my heart. 
So many times we don't know what's going on in people's lives, but God knows. This works both ways. First wave people often ask us to pray for something in their lives, but I found that sometimes God won't give them certain things for one of two reasons. One is not in his will or that that thing is not in the best interest for them. So we even have to be careful of what we pray. And there are others who need intercessory prayer, who won't say a word but are really going through in their personal lives. And nobody but God knows. So I really try to be sensitive during this time of intercession to to just see who God will drop in my spirit to intercede for them and how he'll have me to pray for them. And I try not to ask God anything for myself or for others until I've gotten my heart right with him first using the five categories that we dealt with in the message. And we're made in God's image. And think about how you feel around people that whenever you talk to them on the phone or run into them, they're always asking you for something. And I know the Bible has the parable about the persistent widow woman that worries and nags the unjust judge, and she end up getting justice because of that. I understand that. But my personal position is even better than that. I want to be in relationship with the judge. Because if I take the judge out to say, let me take you out and play golf with you. Let me take you out and buy you lunch. And I just want to thank you, judge, for just being a just judge in this community. Thank you for all that you're doing. If I become a friend of the judge, call him sometime just to see how he's doing. Listen to some of his issues. Then even though that nagging person, he may give him justice. He's answering their request to get away from him. But that friend, he'll answer his request because he want to keep him close. And I want to be a friend of the judge. I don't want to be a nag or somebody that he wants to separate because I'm nagging him. I want him to answer my prayers because he loved me so much. Because I love him so much and spending time with him that he can call me a true friend of God. And many Christians, they want the favor of God rather than wanting him that gives the favor. And when I was dating, I kind of had a policy that I wouldn't buy females clothes and other gifts outside of holidays. And the reason that I did that is because they knew we were brawners. And I wanted to separate and see who really wanted to be with me for me and not what I had and what I could provide for them. So I waited till I got engaged before I began that practice so I could really separate the true ones from the false. Christ is our bridegroom and he's not looking for a gold digger either. (laughs) Those that are after him for the things that he has. He wants those that want him for who he is. I pray this word has blessed you today. Thank you for joining in with Brothers of the Word because brother, you need the word. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was the message titled Intimacy with God by James Bronner. This message is number 8240. That's 8240. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 8240 to a friend, go to BrothersOfTheWord.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word.